Jimbo, you look so happy today. I'm almost how's happy. Your life? I don't care. Uh, Chris, how's your life going? Good, good. All good, mate. You? Lovely, lovely. It's so much better until Jim showed up, but now that he's here, I guess. Like you haven't, like you haven't been begging me to join every single Monday. Well, like you, you do, didn't. You, you did like you didn't change from a Monday to from a Tuesday to a Monday in order that I was available more often. And then you come on here and you start giving it. Nah, 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 nah. That's well, okay. You I, I, think, I do think it. I do think it was kind of funny that we literally changed our days from Tuesdays to Mondays so that it could basically work better for you and Lonnie. And then you don't come onto the show for five straight weeks after we change for you. <laughs> How does that work out? Yeah, I don't, it's not me. Blame my team. Yeah. I, I, got I suspect yeah. that they want you just about as much as I do. So they were pretty disappointed you came too. It's unnecessary, yeah. Nate. Yeah. Hi, Chris. How are you? I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, pretty good. Good. <laughs> Hi to Hillbilly Island Life and yes to crypto. How are you guys doing? Uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, if you're tuning in out there, please give the stream a share. Help us get going. Uh, we got some pretty cool things we're announcing in the next few weeks. Uh, I guess next week we'll start with those. So I don't know. That's just a tease. You want to tune in next, next Monday around noon uh central time uh wherever you're at this is the same time we try to go live every week so try to tune in next week we had a, a pretty cool announcement that'll be exclusive to the queue it up podcast listeners so there's a little tease for next week uh i guess let's just jump right in with the whirlpool masters coping uh is our champion i i forget chris who who was it that picked uh coping last week when we did this show who was it that picked them to win do you remember uh, who that was? Oh yeah, good. You yeah, 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 yeah. Pick the world, pick a world champion to win it. Yeah, well done. Oh, yeah, because, is, yeah, because thirteen of those players aren't world champions. You clown. <laughs> every time I, every time I pick one of the favorites, oh Jim, you always go in for, for one of the favorites, and now I don't, and I go for a slightly an outsider. Now you're giving it, yeah. Who's your slight? Who's your slight outsider? Mario. Yeah, we picked two players. I picked Mario too. Who is Mario player? and Jason? <laughs> Just because you slurp on Jason. Slurp. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I've got better things to do with my time. I could be doing something <laughs> else right now. You know, I don't have to be here. It's not like you're paying me. Jim, you know you love the abuse. Don't even start with me. <laughs> so, uh, he was my pick. But uh, I guess let's let's look at the event. Uh, as the event as a whole, it looked, I don't know, pretty fantastic. What, what was your takeaway, Chris? Yeah, just the same as pretty much all of the events that they do. I do like this one better because um, they add the 14 top players on the rankings and then two wild cards, two great wild cards, uh, especially Aranis. I think every, that's a player that everybody who hasn't been in the States where he's been playing for the last few years, he's a player that everybody else knows about and has really wanted to see play. Um, I was really excited to see him play. He did himself you know, no injustice at all. He played brilliant all the way through. Um, I just loved having all those great players there. Uh, the longer races were good as well. Um, better than, was it races to seven before and then races to eight a little bit later on? Um, uh, so, yeah, it was seven, seven, eight, and nine. Seven, seven, eight, 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 seven in the beginning, nine was the final. Yeah. Yeah. But this is the, I think we've spoken about it quite a few times before about Matchroom being able to. Uh, change the formats, the invitationals. Uh, I, I don't think it would hurt if they 
even made some of these matches longer in the Masters. Uh, but yeah, good long races. Everybody played well. Don't think anybody had a nightmare. We didn't get to see much of Jason. Um, but other than that, yeah, it's good. This kind of, yeah, I guess going into the Jason aspect of this, it's kind of continues his run of, he doesn't always draw the best players, but everybody plays the best against him. Yeah. For what, about a two, two, two and a half year stretch now. He's yeah. had some pretty brutal draws. And and at the end of the day, I guess any player that you end up playing in these events can do that to you. And part of it, I mean, part of being a, a great player and the best player is, you know, taking a match that somebody is dominating you in and finding a way to flip it on. I mean, the perfect example of that, it was Niels and Eklund. You know, yeah. what is it? Eklund's down 6-0. Um, and then next thing you know, he's up nine to six and i mean he just took that match away i mean it, it, at the end of the day is it easy to do no but at some point in time like if you want to be the best and you got you know you want to be winning these big events at some point in time you have to take any opening that you can see and you just have to you just have to take it and run with and i think kachi did that better than anybody this this event yeah you're going to get that if you get all the best players together it doesn't really matter within reason how far ahead you get uh that one opening and it can change everything jim what do you think I thought it was uh, I thought it was great entertainment. Uh, I know some people had uh, comments after the the the, the Max Lechner uh, Muhammad Sufi match that uh, you know with the 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 being four golden breaks in there that the the break was wrong. I mean you can't you you can't make decisions on that based on one match. And I think we saw overall the tournament we had some fantastic exciting matches. Everything was close. You know, Catchy was nine seven eleven ten eleven ten to get to the the, the final. You know and. Uh, the, the match against Niels was just phenomenal. The match against Mario, I thought, was excellent as well. And I thought we saw we saw some highly entertaining uh, matches with that format. Format, you know, whether you're for winner breaks or against winner breaks, whether you like the break rules or not, you can't argue with the entertainment there. And I think Matchroom have pretty much, you know, they've they've tinkered with things over the the tournaments that they've done, and I think they've pretty much got it right. You know, you know, the only thing that the only thing that's maybe, yeah, that. I'm not sure how they solve it, and I don't really want to have a big long discussion on it because we have before. Is is the whole what what's considered to be a soft break and what's not considered to be a soft break? That's the only thing that's a little bit, you know, it's down to personal opinion, isn't it, of the referee whether or not. And I mean, you yeah. saw Neil Neil's against Catchy. You saw that at a given moment he was warned about his break, and he went there and he was having to hit it a lot harder. He was he was hitting it as hard as he could to make sure that he didn't get another warning or to get a, a, a ball in hand against him and he he lost the white a couple of times he wasn't making the one ball and it kind of changed the match for him a little bit you know he couldn't get a run going because he couldn't get his break um so yeah but other than that i thought it was a fantastic event i got only good things to say about it and uh, uh excellent event excellent winner cole was just magical to watch he's just so smooth um insane Brilliant. I think that you, I think that you can often make an argument that um, the best player didn't win or the best player didn't make it to the finals, and I don't think that you can argue with the two best players in this tournament were playing in the finals, and I think the best player that was playing in this tournament won the event. Yeah. I don't think that I don't think that anybody's going to question that. What either of you? No, he played the best throughout the event, definitely. Yeah. Um, I mean. You, you looked at last year, and uh, Joshua Filler definitely played, uh, probably played the best in that event. Uh, Loho, some making it to the finals. I think. I think if you watch his events, every single one of his was a grinder. There was a ton of mistakes made in almost every single match. 
Uh, and Loho, some, you know, he grinded through those to his credit and he made it to the finals and, uh, you know, he, he got, he got beat, but, um, you can make a pretty serious argument that he didn't deserve to be there last year. Maybe I don't think you can make that argument this year. Yeah. Well, uh, so Jim, I guess I'll just move on from that then. Uh, Jim, you, you addressed a lot of things, the golden breaks. I think if, you can definitely tell when JJ's in the box that the U.S. players or the U.S. Uh, the U.S. fans just don't they just don't care about it. I, I you know JJ JJ's commentating and he's like, oh, here comes another golden Blake. He's like the most monotone voice ever, and he doesn't get too worked up about anything. So, you know, it kind of makes sense a little bit. But uh, you get you get like the U.K. announcers in there, and they're like, it's like the most exciting thing that they've ever seen. It's like you can definitely tell the matchroom wants it because it it is a an exciting thing, right? Uh, but I, I think the you just kind of hear the, the the tone that's different when JJ's in there versus that. If you had to say what a perfect number of golden breaks is per match, I guess as two people from Europe, what do you guys think would be? Because they are ex- they are exciting in a sense, right? I mean, there is they are they have a uniqueness to them that. It, it's enjoyable to see, right? I mean, I do we want to see it four times in a single match? I don't know about that. I mean, that, then you just lose a lot of action. But I, I think it's enjoyable to watch now because over the series of events where the break rules changed, now you're seeing people dial the break in. So Lechner's 100% trying to hit that nine ball every single time. He's made it three. You know, as the events go on, I think we're just going to see more of them. But it's... 75 or 80 percent skill and 20 percent luck i would go with something like that maybe um, well, to, but, to that i mean uh max might be you know he he made three in that set the next time he might scratch three times off the bottom side of the top side of that nine ball maybe maybe but because he was coming in not to be a geek but because when he was cutting it in the did you see when they superimposed the three breaks on top of each other there was two of them that looked exactly the well, same. They, they put the third one on, and that was pretty much carbon copy as well. Because he's coming a little bit below the nine ball, and he's cutting back on it, sort of. It, it's not... It, I would have agreed with you before I saw that. It's 50-50 whether the cue ball's going to go in or the nine. But seeing the way Lechner was hitting it, I don't think it is 50-50. I don't think it is. Sure. If he catches them, yeah, I don't think it's quite 50-50. Well, on that table, under those conditions, with that humidity, with that, you know, that you know, amount of uh, stimuli in the room, of course, but maybe, you know, maybe you get on a different table with just a little bit different or, or just a different time of the day, or maybe, you know, maybe it's a little bit later in the tournament and 30 more people show up and that, you know, that might make a little bit of a difference to, you know, change that playing conditions. Well, my, my, I mean, I go back to Lechner's, how's my audio now? Is that better? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Going back to Lechner, how did he break? How did he get on in the second match? Golden breaks. Was he scratching? I mean, you the pros are the pros are playing that break. Listen, you've, you've got to you've got to play that break to to make the one ball, yeah. which means you're cutting the one ball. You're playing a cut break and cutting the one ball. You're having to hit it hard, or you're going to get a walling. So the white is flying, you know. So these guys they're not necessarily trying to make the nine. They're trying to use the nine to slow down the cue ball. Yeah, if they do make it, if they do make it, then okay, bonus. Would they rather not? They'd rather have a break where they don't have to be flying the white round and hoping for a contact on something. But that's the break they have to play because the one ball is the, be- is the, the, the most chance of making a ball. 
So they come into the nine, and my opinion is slightly different from Chris. When two balls contact each other, there's three things that can happen. This one goes in, this one goes in, or neither of them go in. So I do think it's 50-50. And if you look at the stats from over the tournament, from number of scratches after contacting the nine, and the number of golden breaks, scratching is slightly more. There was but, a lot. Yeah. There was a lot of scratches in the bottom uh, corner. There was a lot of scratches. Niels had like two scratches in a row into the center pocket against Catchy. Mm. You know, it's th these things that it's it's they're doing. It, it, they're doing it, it, we don't want the white flying around the table. They'd like to have the white contact and something in the center of the table to give them a better chance because they can't get the white back up table anymore. Yeah. They used to play that break from the side rail, and they'd be able to screw the, the white off the rail and back into the center table. They can't do it from the from the box. So they need a way to keep the cue ball round about center table to give them the best opportunity to have a, a shot on the two ball, wherever the two ball might be laying. Center table is where you want to be, but they can't get center table anymore and make the one. So they're trying to get that contact on the nine ball to hold it somewhere centrally. And if the nine goes in, the nine goes in. That's the ball that they're aiming to hit. You know, it's the one that's, that should be there. All It should never move from the break, you know. Um, so that's why they're doing it. If it goes in, it goes in. And we're going to, yeah. I mean, st you still see the hand going up and apologizing for it. I think that'll probably disappear after a while because yeah, that's like the, it, the, all the players know that, yes, I'd be doing the same. I'm trying to hit the nine as well. So, yeah, yeah. it's not necessarily that they're trying to pot it. They know that that can happen, but they also know they can scratch, so it's a risk reward. It's a bit of a dangerous one, but they just they want to make that one ball. That's it, and that's the only way you're going to make it. Yeah, Le Lechner didn't apologise after the third one. He just uh, laughed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what's yeah. the point? He knows um, he, it, it, he knows that the apology is pointless because <laughs> it's not... if you break that way and you get a contact on the nine a couple of times, then you make it once, you make it twice. After you've made it once, and I know that I've hit the break that way. Well, the second and third time, I'm as far as I'm concerned, I'm going for it. You're trying to make the one at, at that point, and your second prize is making the nine, right? So let's, not forget, let's not forget how how incredibly difficult it absolutely. is to be consistent. Absolutely, you have to be exactly the same speed, exactly the yeah. same point on the one ball with exactly the same amount of spin. That's what everyone's going for, though, isn't it? Well, yes, that's the yeah. break. But the, the yeah. number one priority is making the one. Absolutely. The second priority is trying to control the white as much as possible. And if they do all that and they still make the nine, then they're delighted. Yeah. But they're happy just to have the one ball somewhere in the middle of the table. Sorry, the one ball in and the cue ball somewhere in the middle of the table. That's what they want. And anything else is a bonus for them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But yeah. I, I think, I think uh, yeah, I mean, Mike, Pinozo kind of says it uh, perfectly in the chat there. You're never going to see them go away because they're just too exciting. You're never going to see a jump cue go away because it's just too exciting. I mean, there's nothing there's nothing better as a viewer than seeing somebody pull out a short cue and jump over another ball and pot another ball. I mean, it's it's it, you hate it, sure, but as as a viewer, I mean, there's nothing more exciting than that. I mean, that is the pinnacle. That's that's the best that you can do. That's fine. As far as you. You, you talked about the commentators, the difference in the way they react to it. I mean, JJ's not the kind of commentator that gets really, really excited. He's more of like the the, the pure explaining stuff. And but Carl's there as like the colourful guy kind of thing, you know. And he's he'll he'll put a little bit more into it than what he really thinks himself, you know. I mean, he's seen so many golden breaks. He, as a professional player, you don't really like them, 
And, you know, as a professional player, you'd rather win or lose based on, you know, running the racks as well. But if, if you get one, you're delighted. If you don't, if it's your opponent, then you're in your stool and you're in your chair and you're stewing over it, you know? So he's in the commentary to, to make this, to, to up the excitement and everything. If he's good, if somebody gets a golden break and he starts screaming and shouting, oh, I'm unbelievable, great. That's his job to do that. It's his job to do that. He'll make a little bit more of it than what he really thinks himself, I'm sure, you know? Sure. Well, I mean, I guess as as far as the the, the initial things that you said, Jim, I, I would say uh, I just wanted to touch on those things specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the takeaways from the events. Did, uh, does anybody else have anything as far as just the takeaway of the event? No, um, no, no. I thought it was another step forward by Matchroom. I think they're doing yeah. all the right things. They're, ch- they're, they're changing and adjusting all the correct things. Um, and I, uh, yeah, I, 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 that one's great. Yeah. I do I do agree with uh, the, re- uh, I guess, the real KKN. Um, the Predator Arena look, I mean, the Predator, uh, I hate to bring this back to Predator and Matchroom because, I, I mean, I, I feel like that's kind of going to be kind of the biggest conversation for the next year to year and a half is in this industry is, you know, who's going to win it out, Matchroom or uh, Predator. As far as just the TV experience, I think Predator still blows Matchroom away with, with what they do on the, on the, just the Predator – or uh, sorry, just the, the TV stage, the way that it looks in the background. Oh, I love the way Predator has done what they've done with that that uh, LED that runs all the way across in the background. That I think it just looks fantastic. You you know you could it's it's an open argument. It's a debate. Yeah. I think. But as far as like the ambiance of the room, no, Predator does nothing. I mean, it's not even. They're not even in the same. They're not even in the same stratosphere. I mean, what what Matchroom does to make the entire ambiance of the room of the uh, of the event of the you know, the feeling that you get when you walk into that room, Predator's got no chance. And they never will be able to because Predator is piggybacking off of a bunch of amateur events for most of their stuff. So there's a bunch of ball bangers, you know, in the background, slamming balls, shooting cue balls off the table, stuff like that. Match room is a professional sport only. They're not they're not looking to partner with all these little rink-a-dink uh, state tournaments. So Predator will never argue on that or uh, be able to compete on that. But I mean, as far as like just that that LED screen that Predator introduced at the at um, in Vegas, man, I think that just looks sick. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> it's pretty good. So you want you, you you want you want. I mean, when you've got two big guns, sort of, I want to say competing against each other, but you know, you you want you don't want one to be the best at everything because then you know you want them to be pushing each other a little bit. And sure. if there's certain if there's certain parts of it that the, the, the predator do better and match them think right we need to up their game in this department because you know like you say that looks sick what predator have got there. Predator look at match them. I mean there's certain things that the predator are going to it's going to be very difficult for predator to compete with on the production side of it. Uh, yeah. on 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 uh, the, the 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 there's many more doors open for matchroom as far as television and stuff like that go than there is for predator. Predator are still basically just streaming. You know, so the, the the quality of the commentators take nothing away from the, the the guys that do the commentating, Tony Robles and the guys that do the, the, the Tim Durauta that do a, a great job in the commentating for the Predator. It's, it's not the same true. as it, it, you're not, they're not up there with, with with JJ. I think JJ and Boise together like, that is like yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, really, if really good combination. If you, if you put a list of the top uh, top ten greatest commentators in pool today, five of them are going to be matchroom. The, like the top five are going to be matchroom. 
once you get down past like five, I mean, maybe you'll, maybe you get like Tony Robles in there, but uh, you know, maybe you get, but as far as like the top, I mean, you're talking Carl, you're talking Jeremy, uh, you're talking like, I, I think Alex Fisher was amazing. I think Niels was amazing. Alex is good. Alex Laley's class. Alex, Alex Laley is absolutely. And then from there, I mean, I, I think you would all agree that it, at least Niels, Alex, JJ, and Carl are in a class of their own, right? You know, maybe there's maybe there's somebody else that goes in there, but they're the top four. Well, I think if you're a commentator, you've got to be doing it a lot of the time, and Niels isn't doing it a lot of the time. He's a player. No, I think Niels gets invited in as a player yeah. sometimes, but you know, I don't think you, you can't really class him as a commentator. He, he, yeah. He's of all the players who come into the box now and again, then yes, he's he's right up there as one of the best. But uh, the other ones you mentioned, yeah, Alex. I mean, Alex is massively uh, experienced in doing commentary. He does a commentary on Eurosport for the snooker all the time. Yeah. You know, incredibly knowledgeable. Same kind of thing as JJ. Boys, he just knows the game well. He knows the players. He comes across very well with his interviews as well. He just he just naturally sort of fell into it. Like, you know, uh, it was amazing, really. Um, and, uh, you know, Phil Yates is in there. He's a well-known voice in the UK, maybe not so uh, much outside of the UK with all the sports stuff that he's done through the years with different sports. So he's a well-known voice. He has that, you know, there's certain commentators that you just know exactly who it is as soon as they open their mouth, you know. Um uh, Michael, is it McMillan? Yeah, I think he's really just fine. Like uh, he's really I good like as him. well. Yeah. Um, so they have a good team there, you know, and yeah. they've the, 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 that's that's what you want, you know, in every department, you want to have a, a good team so that that, that complement each other. And okay. the, those, you know, those four, I'd say five with Alex Laley in there uh, now and again, they complement each other, they work well together, and uh, it just comes across really, really well on the TV. Well, uh, I mean, as far as the event, I think I think the next big step for uh, Matchroom, I mean, just as my opinion, uh, they need to probably get the uh, the audience, the the ambiance of the room, as far as like getting people in there. And uh, yeah, Kurt kind of said this as a as a comment in there. Predator pretty much he guarantees an audience because it's free and there are a bunch of people uh, that are there for other reasons. So that you know they yeah. piggyback off of these amateur events. So because of that, there's a minimum of one to two hundred people that are going to be there and a maximum of like you know, maybe if you go to Vegas, maybe there's three, four, five thousand people that are going to be there. All you got to do is walk over from your table uh over to the pro arena and sit down and watch watch a match. I mean Yeah, but I mean the UK is not a big pool country at the at the moment. So having some of the events here, especially like the Masters in Brentwood in Essex, which isn't London, you know, it's outside of London. It's not in the middle of nowhere, but it's like a commuter town or something, really, that you're not really going to get a ton of people turning up to it. It's a matter of convenience, I'd assume, for Matchroom to have it there. Sure. It was the same as Gibraltar, right? Not a great place to have it, but obviously for whatever commercial reasons, getting a venue, yep. et cetera, that's why they've decided to have it there. But there's, you know, in 10 years' time, if it's massive, there's it's not going to be in it's not going to be in Brentwood. But Matchroom started off with their boxing shows in that same arena, I think, mm -hmm. um, and now they do them at Wembley Stadium. Uh, and let's not forget, a, a large chunk of the event was done during the week in the afternoons. People yeah. are working, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, I, this is my exact point, right? Is I think this is the next big step for Matchroom is figuring out uh, how to get people in, you know, getting their butts in the seats because they've yeah. obviously done it with the, uh, they've obviously done it with the Moscone cup, which is the easy one, right? Everybody wants to go to the Moscone cup already. And now they open up tickets and they're sold out within, I don't know, minutes basically at this point. Mm. Uh, I guess I don't even, is the, is the Moscone cup completely sold out? I know they, they didn't have a ton of tickets left once uh, 
for the price. They haven't normally, normally they're very quick to announce when they're sold out, and I haven't seen any sort of announcement. So I assume there's some ticket. It might just be individual VIP tickets that are still available for certain yeah. days or whatever. But I, I, here and there, yeah, it's some. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, may, maybe the you know, I know that last year at the U.S. Open, uh, they the finals. I mean, obviously it's the finals. It's going to be a little bit different. Um, but I want to I want to say the finals probably had 500 to 700 people sitting in around watching it, which is, I mean, for the yeah. U.S. Open at, at Atlantic City. And if you know anything about Atlantic City, it's not easy to get to. I mean, you, you, if you're not going there for a reason, like if yeah. you're not going there for like the casino life or, you know, whatever it is, it's not easy to get to. I mean, you got to fly into Philadelphia, basically, and then drive the hour and 15 to 20 minutes it is just to get there. It's it's pretty in it's pretty hard to get to so the fact that you know of course you're going to be able to pull from like people from virginia and maryland and new jersey and stuff like that i mean it's not it's not super hard to get to if you're in the area but as far as like a destination it's it's kind of hard to get to i would assume that the u.s open is going to continue to grow just like it, it has for the last three years because i i mean i was there two years ago and i, I would not say the finals maybe had two three hundred people at it and then this year had probably i if i had to guess a number i would probably say around 600 that they actually mm -hmm. had there for the event. Uh, yeah. You know, are they going to have 800 this year, a thousand this year? Who knows? But I mean, it's growing, it's, it's growing and it's growing quickly. So you see all these events um, and, you know, you, they kind of panned around a little bit to the outside, but there wasn't many people there in the beginning. Uh, yeah. The finals, I, I guess I don't, I, I don't remember actually looking at the, the crowd for the finals. Did you guys, did you guys notice there was a, a decent crowd in there for the finals? It's okay. Yeah, there was enough there to create an atmosphere. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah I guess it was on the weekend. It was on the weekend. So I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna decide that you're gonna go there and watch some pool, then you're gonna leave it till the weekend and see the the semifinals and the final. You know, so for the for the whole day for Saturday for the semifinals and the finals, yeah, there was quite a few people there. You know, I'll send one twenty. Yeah. So yeah. So Boise's uh, said it was about one twenty. Uh, Carl, just out of curiosity, were you there last year? Uh, well, obviously you were there last year. Do you remember how many were there last year? It'd be interesting to see because the U.S. the U.S. Open grew like crazy. Uh, the Moscone Cup has obviously grown like crazy. It'd be interesting last to see all time, the last time I went to the Masters was in Gibraltar about I'm going to say maybe four years ago. Uh, or oh, wait a minute, it was the one that uh, Al Qaeda won when he banked the ball. Uh, oh, that was uh, 2019. 20, was that 2019 or 2018? 2018, 2019. And there wasn't 120 people there in the fight for the final. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it, yeah, it seems to be growing. I mean, obviously the way that Matchroom does their marketing, the way they do their, their, um, all of their hype around these events. I mean, I want to go to them. Like I, the, the Moscone cup, especially, especially now that they're kind of increasing the price, uh, the prices around stuff. I mean, it's not, it's not cheap to get to. It's really, really, you know, it's, there's a good chunk of money that you got to put up to be able to get to these events. And, with that being said, I mean, I still don't want to ever miss them. I mean, the way that Matchroom does them, I don't want to miss out on the opportunity to be there in person. I mean, mm -hmm. you get it from Daz in a little bit. I mean, it's it's fine. Um, I don't think that you're ever going to be able to get the excitement over TV that you'll be able to get from being on site. But, like, it's to the point now where, like, they're, the Matchroom events are just so much fun. I never want to miss them. And I don't well, get that. I, I just don't get that vibe with Predator events. I just, I just don't. I mean... Maybe it's because I mean, of the, it's, something, the... It, it, it's something that's never it's never really advertised or it's never really built up. You know, I mean, you've got people. We've been going to Moscone Cup for a number of years, and uh, we can tell everybody 
how amazing the atmosphere is. And everybody knows that they see it on TV. But I've also been to the Masters. I've been to the World Cup of Pool. I've been to the, 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 the Opens, the UK Open, the European Open. You know, and I'll tell you, the European Open was a great atmosphere, you know. Yeah, brilliant. There was a lot. There was a big crowd there towards the end of it. You know, maybe not every day, but towards the end of it, the crowd really, really built up, and it was a great atmosphere in there. And we maybe we should be the people who actually go to these events. Maybe we should be spending more time telling everybody how awesome the events are. You know, and that they should they should make the effort to go along to them because it really is it's it's you know the you go to a place like Fulda. So lovely, lovely place. We had a great time there, Chris, and 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 yeah. lovely place to walk around. Plenty to do in between matches. The weather's always nice that time of year, and you go into the arena. It was a fantastic arena, you know. And uh, the, yeah, just do it. Just go to these things, you know, and, and and try them out. If you're in the UK and you're you're a pool fan, get yourself to the UK Open. If you don't like it, you don't like it, but I'm pretty sure you will. And uh, you get to see. All the top guys, you get to walk around all the tables. The, the tables are set up so that they're in groups of four. So any table, when if your favourite guy's playing at that match, you have access to that match from anywhere. Yeah. There's no table that, that you can't get to. You can be sitting right beside the guy that you want to see, you know? So get yourself there. Get it's really is amazing. It's, uh, I, I don't... I, See, I don't understand why more people don't go. I kind of do understand why people don't go, but I'm sure if you did go, you'd go again. Well, yeah, I think it's kind of like I, I think a lot of this is kind of like breaking the seal, right? I mean, once yeah, but, uh, once, once you go for the first once time, opens, <laughs> once it opens, the avalanche will happen. You know, it's just getting it open. You know, and maybe it's up to maybe it's up to let's say us or people who go and do actually see it to to make a bit more of it and and to to get it out there and let people know and let people see how. Uh, how good the atmosphere is and how, how enjoyable it is. You know, you get that's there's nothing there is nothing like being tableside. No, nothing like it. If you're a pool fan, you can watch it on TV and you can say the production's fantastic. Love watching it. The commentators are great. There is nothing like being poolside. Yeah. Well, I'll say this. I mean, that's that's the reason why I create a you know the Cue It Up Network has a Moscone Cup group every single year. So we always take. Uh, I, I, I want to say in London two years ago we had a bigger group because your your uh, your group joined us, Jim. So we had I think what did we end up having like twenty eight people in our group. I want to say. Uh, well, we we were up. We had a, we had a max of thirty, and we pretty much almost reached it, didn't we? Yeah, I think we had I think we had about twenty eight people. Yeah. Uh, last year in Vegas we had thirty five. Um, this year we have I I only bought fifteen tickets this year, uh, but we basically are bringing the same core of twelve people every single year. That once they went for the first time, uh, you know they they don't want to miss it. And the the London ones are a little bit different, of course, because it's harder to get over the pond. Uh, you know, some people don't have a a passport or don't want to get one. Blah blah blah. There's always there's always more hurdles to jump over to get over the pond. Uh, so our groups there are a little bit smaller, but in Vegas every single year. I mean, we have a huge group. And I should say, if you want to go to the Moscone Cup and want to be a part of the Q It Up Network group, I do have four spare tickets. So reach out to me. Uh, message the page, message me personally, or if you just want to jump in with us, we have four extra tickets. So, uh, any information, just reach me on that. Uh, as far as that, but like once, once you get there, like our group doesn't go away usually. I mean, the same people are there every single year. Once we get in there, it's like, you'd never want to not be there again. It's just, they're, they're just too much fun. I mean, as long as you can uh, physically afford it. I mean, generally speaking, people don't not go. 
that makes sense. Yeah, the, 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 the Moscone Cup is the one that's the, you know is, that's going to that's going to make a little bit of a dent in your bank account. The Moscone Cup, you know, the, yeah. certainly if you're from the USA going to over to the UK, or if you, I mean, even in the USA, the, how many people how many people are from oh, Vegas? And you, you guys, Vegas have got, is so expensive. Yeah, you still got to buy flights and stuff like that, just like we do that come over from Europe. So, I mean, um, but. <laughs> Trust me, it's worth every penny. <laughs> it really is. If you're a if you're a, if you're a pool fan, you, it just doesn't get any better than Moscone yeah. Cup. You know, uh, Chris, have you ever been? No. When I stop playing, then I'll I'll start going to watch it. Definitely, it's on the bucket list, hundred percent. When you stop playing, you can't handle being in a crowd that you're not no, playing when, in. <laughs> when I stop wasting money entering events, I'll start wasting. <laughs> oh. You need to start winning some then. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it looks amazing. Me and a few of my mates, we've never been able to go, but we take that three or four days off work and well, just go to the pub every night, get drink way too much beer and watch the pool all night for four nights in a row. Yep. If you can't get to the pool, organize a watch party for yourself because it's the second best thing I'd say. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, the one year that we had the COVID, uh, I did do a little watch party. So did I at uh, at my local pub, and then I got COVID from it. So that was fun. <laughs> I did a, I did an I did an online thing. I got everybody, all our group, and uh, and a few others. Uh, we entered a big group chat and just sat watching it together on the group chat, and we uh, live streamed on Facebook. It was quite amusing. Some of the crap was getting said. <laughs> well. Kind of the same thing as yeah we always have little chris in our group too so if you're a big youtuber out there and you follow little chris uh he's always in our group as well you can't usually see him he's pretty short he, he has to get a couple of milk crates to sit up on his seat so that he can see over people's heads but you know he does his best it's funny because i can say that and he's not around to like defend himself so it's uh it's always good just kidding chris we love you all right so uh yeah i mean i guess this was to say like the uh the Moscone cup is like the pinnacle obviously but i'm telling you what like the u.s open uh, and I know, Jim, you haven't been to one now in three or four years that you've been I've to never US, been US, Open? US Open. Oh, you've never been to one. Okay, right. I thought you had gone a, a little while ago. I'm talking the U.S. Open, man. It's getting very, very, very close to that level of entertainment. Uh, you'll never get the same because the, the crowd just isn't going to be the same. But as far as like the, the U.S. Open obviously has things that the, US, the, the Moscone Cup never will have, right? I mean, you have access to new players, um, interviews. I mean, you you the the booth situation i mean there's a bunch of booths that they've built into that now i mean there's there is a ton that the us open can do that the match or the moscone cup just never will be able to it's 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 really 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 fun you should you should think you should give a serious thought about coming jim yeah. if not this oh, year the next year, year. I, I think about it every year <laughs> yeah but well, the level of access for fans at the us open it's it must be unrivaled um, especially during like the practice day the first or the second practice day whenever it is so i was practicing with uh melling chris melling trying to practice with him but he couldn't take a shot so we're playing on an outside table just practicing getting ready for the event and all the fans are coming in one after the other trying to get photos with him and this that and the other so if you're you know access wise if you're a fan us open must be the one to go to if you want to want to meet and greet and get signatures and stuff yeah and for the most part, I mean, I mean, are there any players that you guys can think of that are just not accessible? Like they, they just don't like talking to fans. They don't like uh, entertaining any sort of, I mean, even, even the kind of the grumpy ones like Earl, I mean, Earl is 
quite good with fans as, as long as he hasn't lost a match recently. I can't think of anybody well, that's a, out there no, that. No, there's there's a few of them that have the language barrier. Obviously, if you go at the yeah. beginning of the match, and it's and it's difficult to, you know, to 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 to, to inter interact with them. But uh, in general, if you go up to a player and say, "Listen, hi, nice to meet you," blah blah blah, can I have a quick photo? Uh, they're all happy to do it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that seems to be. And if you and if and if and if you come to the Moscone Cup with the queue up group. Then you'll get more than just a a, a, a quick chat and a, a handshake with the players. You'll basically be hanging out with them most of the time, <laughs> <laughs> for better or worse. <laughs> for better or worse, whether you like it or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have, yeah, we have some, uh, we have some fun, don't we? Yeah. Like I said, four extra tickets. Reach out. Get rid of these things. All right. So, uh, anyways, I, I guess let's go back to the event. Uh, Coping Yi wins the finals. It was thirteen to thirteen to five, I believe, was the finals. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which was, you know, I mean, at the end of an event that good, you would have liked, I think, to um, to have a little bit closer of a finals. But I think it, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was 5 5, wasn't it? Or 5 4? I think it was 3 3. I don't remember beyond that point. It was 4 3 Ikachi at one stage. Yeah. I, I think it might have been 5 5. I know that it was close um, up until that point. And then Coping He kind of just goes on a tear. Right. Um, it would have been nice to have a little bit better of a finals, but uh, I don't know. I think uh, it was 4-3 four, catch, and then Cole went out to 10-4, and then 10-5, and then, then he finished it. Sure. Yeah, that's that That might that sounds something right. Um, I guess, who is who are you most impressed by in this uh, this tournament? Chris, Aran what do you think? Aranis. James Aranis. Apart from Co winning it, I'd say James Aranis. Um, yeah, I just like watching him play. He hasn't got like a normal like Filipino style of play, I wouldn't say. You know, his arm isn't all over the place and he's yeah, he's not know. overly loose, right? Yeah. Um, but I like I just like the way he plays, I like the way he is around the table. Shot selection's good. Um, he's not scared of taking anything on. I just really like watching him play. I thought he was I thought he was class. If you can get into more and more events. Especially with the event, the ranking events being out in Asia, if he can play in all of them, he's gonna shoot right up the rankings, like sure. top ten or something for sure. So, Jim, who are you most impressed by? Niels. I, I think I, I, that's why I, too. I agree with that. I think Niels has just made a statement that anyone talking about Moscone Cup captains for uh, for the for the coming year and and naming Niels, Niels wants in that team, and I think he might. You know, I think he's playing at a level where he feels like he can make it again. Um, that match against Kachi was a killer for him, you know. Um, I'm, I've watched I've watched the final rack back a few times. The break in the final rack, slug. Uh, slug. I don't want to call it a slug. I don't want to call it a pudding, but it didn't. The balls didn't do. They didn't go in the direction that they should be coming out of that rack. Shall we say? I watched. Yeah, I watched most of that rack. Or I watched most of that match, and I will I will say this: Was it a slug? Maybe not. Was that easily the worst rack of the entire match? Yes. Yeah. Can, yeah. It could have just easily been a bad contact. It, it, you yeah, know, he hit, he hit him pretty well. Yeah, but it, it, could, it didn't look wrong to me. Uh, no, 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 no. What I'm saying is a kick could have been a bad contact in that sense, rather than. That's what I mean. I don't maybe. want to call it a slug rack. I don't want to say that he was, that he was slugged or he was given a pudding rack, but I've watched it and they didn't. They didn't come out the way they should be coming out. 
Well, then how's this? It was the worst outcome after hitting <laughs> at the worst at the worst moment for him as well. You know. Yes. Um, and uh, but I mean, what an amazing match it was. You know, and Catchy was just there was just anything Catchy was involved in was entertainment. You know. Um, yeah. But yeah, Neil's Neil's other than Cole winning it. You know, and and you know, <laughs> I was impressed with Catchy as well. Uh, you know, he's he's more he's been more successful with ten ball. Uh, in the in the last years hasn't really performed at matchroom events, you know. Um, and uh, the way he's yeah. hitting the break is like a he's hitting it in a ten ball type break manner, isn't he? Well, that's the break he has. I mean, why, that, that's what his natural break is. You know, that's why he's so successful with ten ball. So yeah. he is. He's just getting down and hitting exactly the same break and absolutely ramming them. Absolutely. And um, the table apart. Did you see the marks on the table? Yes, he, he he's never playing on my table. I can tell you this, Catchy, <laughs> if you're watching and you're around this area thinking about playing the Dutch Open, do not bother asking me if you can come round to my house and play on my table. Because if you do, then you'll be reclothing it afterwards. <laughs> what a mess he made of that break area. <laughs> Absolute mess he made of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. uh, and for the people that are asking about the uh, the foul situation, uh, we will talk about that. Don't worry. We're just going to give it a little while, stew on it for a little while, uh, finish out talking about the event first. So, um, no, I, I completely agree with you, Jim. I think I think the most impressive player in the tournament was um, was easily Niels. I mean, the way for the as far as expectations coming in uh, for the expectations coming in versus what he did, I think I think Niels is pretty easily in my mind the the most impressive player on it uh i guess let's let's switch to who's the most disappointing player of this event and uh i guess i'll start it because i didn't start the last one so i think victor Zelinski was pretty easily the the most disappointing player and it wasn't because of his performance it was for all of the opportunities that he had that he wasn't able to take advantage of i mean i think i think as far as as far as play he played probably the worst of anybody in that field and he had just as many opportunities to win both of his matches, and he barely skated by the first one. And he 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 had an opportunity. I mean, he he probably missed six or seven opportunities at least in that match and loses Hill Hill. I mean, as far as you know, maybe. And I you know, I was, I was talking to actually I think Dominic Dunn about this, and I was kind of joking around with him. I'm like, you know what? Victor's gonna catch a gear here, and he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna somehow sneak by this match, win it, and then he's going to go on a tear and he's going to snap this tournament off. And I was kind of saying it as a joke, but it's one of those matches where like you've played so awfully bad the entire event by your own standards. And it just seems like one of those things, like you'll make one shot, you'll make one jump shot, or you'll make one really good combination, or you're going to make some shot that you're just like clicks. And then everything just goes from there. And you are now just playing like a beast. I was expecting that. It didn't ever happen. He never was able to find any semblance of a gear. For my opinion, I think he was the, the most disappointing player because I, I thought he had more opportunities and he just kind of squandered them. What do you think, Chris? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's uh, th I think that's probably fair. It looked like he was trying to force himself into a gear, trying to force himself into a rhythm. Some of those misses, like he's never going to miss some of them. Some of them were, you know, a yeah. couple of them. A couple of them. Anybody can miss anything. We all know that. But a couple Especially of them. Especially on that were, table. Yeah, but you know, um, a couple of them were just—he wouldn't disagree with it. Just, just unforgivable. The person I'm most disappointed for uh, would be Jay, obviously, because his opponents keep playing good against him, and 
I'm not saying they're getting the run, but it, it just seems that nothing's going his way uh, in a lot of the events for like the last year, maybe a bit longer. Uh, so I'm disappointed for him, I would say. Jim? Who am I personally disappointed in? I'm not going to name anyone that I'm personally disappointed in. I know that I can imagine which players are the most disappointed in themselves. And, you know, we've mentioned Victor and he'll be disappointed, maybe not with himself, but just it's another tournament where he never really got going on it. Um, anyone that lost in the first round will be disappointed, you know. Um, but, you know, what? it's matchroom, one table set up. It's not like just walking into your local club or or, or, or any other tournament or a, a Euro tour or that table, those lights, those TV cameras, they can do funny things to you. And we've seen very, very good players look very, very average on more than one occasion, uh, whether it be at the Masters or the World Cup of Pool or the, uh, the Moscone Cup. It's very easy to turn around and say he played terrible or... Everybody's had bad matches in there, and and people struggle with it. And uh, some people are made more made for it than than others are. Some people take time to learn it. Some people just fall into it naturally. Yeah. It's just very, 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 very tough. So I mean, I'm not going to blast anyone for their performance because if if it was me out there, my ass would fall out and my cue would <laughs> I wouldn't be able to hold my cue. You know, these guys is. For anyone to play at a, a top top level under those conditions is exceptional. Um, well, so Jim, we should, well, Jim, we, we that some people struggle now and again. We hit some balls on that table uh, day three at um, at the Moscone Cup, right? I mean, mm -hmm. Florian putting on that exhibition. I mean, we hit a couple of balls on. I, I think you hit some balls on it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I played. I played like three racks against Florian just for fun, just like messing around and trying on that table. That table's brutal. <laughs> I don't care how good you play. I mean that. That table can make you look silly. But that's not but that's that was also the table in the VIP room. That wasn't the table out in the arena. Under the that's lights, even, yeah, yeah, of course. That's even more brutal under those lights with the heat that comes off those lights and the cameras and all the crowd around you, people watching you, knowing you're on TV. That it goes that that takes it to another level of brutalness, you know? And I mean, yeah, yeah, of course. These guys, it's amazing. They make it look very, very easy, considering it's very, very difficult. And then you have these matches in between, like like uh, these performances, like like Victor or or what's happened to Jason, or you know Phil getting beat uh, by Niels, which was probably a little bit unexpected for most people. Uh, I had a feeling for Niels, but you never really, you know. And it's just incredibly tough out there, and especially in the first rounds, because you're going there, you're not going to get a second chance. You know, the last thing you want is to go all the way there and get beat in the first round. So you know, there's some nerves in it. You know. Somebody like Victor probably felt like I'm big favorite against this guy. I'm, um, you know, and I'm in the first round. He's thinking I, I need to win this because I really should be winning it, you know. And then you get a bit nervy, and then you've gone into your second match, haven't played a poor first match, and you think your form is dipped. You think you're out of form because you played bad in your first match, and you've got to try and readjust. And if it doesn't happen for you, you get more and more weird crap happening in your head. And it's just, it's just very difficult. It's just a brutal game to play. Simple. It's, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So I don't know what happened to Chris. It looks like his connections may be a little bit uh, shaky or maybe he needed to step away for a second. Uh, I guess, well, why don't we use this as an opportunity? Let's let's uh, let's talk next about the follow. I guess, is there anything else that you wanted to say about the Masters? Obviously, congratulations to Coping Yi. Um, 
it, it's good to see you back on top. He's he's a great ambassador for the sport. He really actually, I mean, his English is not the greatest, but I'm telling you what, like I've been around him um, several times, just kind of like uh, interacting with him and um, chatting with him. He's a really, really, really great ambassador for the sport. Really nice. Very mm-hmm. happy to, you know, sign a, sign a yeah. shirt or a, anything at any point in time. He's happy to talk to anybody as, you know, as much as he can. Of course, there's that language barrier that you were mentioning earlier, but he's just the whole, the whole, um, Coping Yi, Coping Chung, and Coping Han, they're all just really, really great people and just really fun to be around. So uh, it's, yeah. it's its always its always good to see him win an event like this. So is there anything else that you wanted to uh, say about the event before we move on? No, brilliant event, brilliant champion, really enjoyed it. Some top quality pool, a lot of exciting stuff going on. Congratulations to, to Maxim, congratulations to the whole team, to the commentary uh, guys. Uh, we mentioned them already, thought they did a fantastic job. Um, Maxim does it again. Yeah. Mushroom does it again. Can't wait for the next event. Yep. All right. UK well, why don't we take baby. UK Open, baby? Two weeks? Uh, two weeks? You a week and a half? Uh, no, two weeks. End of the month. Yeah. Very end of the okay. month. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's use this as an opportunity, really quick, to uh, thank our sponsors because without them, we wouldn't be able to do this. So check out this advertisement by Jacoby Custom Cues. We'll be back on the other side of it. Yeah, that's uh, next week. I'm hoping to have the mid-level queue of the year, uh, which is the queue of the year. So Jacoby Custom Queues obviously has their uh, their queue of the year that they've 14 straight years. They've either won it or taken second place in the queue of the year, which is pretty incredible. And they are the defending champs this year. So awesome for Jacoby Custom Queues. Thank you guys for uh, taking care of us as well as you do. Uh, let's move on to the Kachi foul incident. So uh if, if you haven't seen this, which I, I would assume you've all basically seen this at this point in time, if you're plugged in enough to be watching the show, uh, Kachi has a closed bridge. Uh, he goes down on his shot and his finger taps, his pinky taps the eight ball, rocks it just a little bit and uh, kind of stands up, gets out of his stance. He knows he, I would assume he knows he hits it at that point in time because, you know, he kind of twitched his hand a little bit. You can see it. Uh, the, the ref was standing behind them, so he wasn't, they weren't actually able to see it. Uh, and I guess the discussion becomes, do you think that that is a cheater move from him? Or do you think, I guess, what, what are your thoughts on it? And 
I guess, Jim, start us out. Go ahead. Chris. <laughs> All right, Chris, go ahead. Jim's scared. I'm not going to call him anything like a cheat or anything like that. You're quiet. Why are you so quiet? Can you hear me properly? Well, you're very quiet. Did you did you change your mic? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, how do I turn that up? Uh, you... All right, I'll go then. Uh, That's a smart move. <laughs> Jimmy, you're an idiot. <laughs> um, anybody who's not getting the uh, anybody who's not getting the video side of this, Jim's just like fake talking. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I'm not going to call anybody a cheat either. Um, as a player, you you would expect that you feel that when you touch a ball. Um, and it's a foul. And the question is, there's been people back and forward on social media. Some say he should call it on himself. Some say it's the ref's responsibility. Um, there's a side to both of that. Yes, it is the ref's responsibility to do it. But anyone that comes from a snooker background, especially, you're sort of taught within, uh, not even a snooker background. I think it's more of a, a UK thing or uh, even maybe outside of the UK now through most of Europe that you're kind of taught that if you make a foul, you just announced it as a foul, you know? And I think a big part of the difference between, again, it's a difference between a, a cultural thing, Europe and the USA, or, and it's more of a rules thing, that in the USA, you've actually made rules to stop any arguments about this. And you said, okay, this tournament is only cue ball fouls and no all ball fouls. And if it's cue ball fouls and you touch a ball, as long as it doesn't move and change how the rack is or change anything in the rack or you put it back and then it's not considered a foul. Um, that's to stop arguments of people saying you touched that ball, your shirt touched that ball, your elbow touched that ball, whatever. And it just stops the, all the arguments. Um, I, I mean, it's a foul, simple as that. Yeah. Um, we, nobody really knows 100% whether Catchy noticed that he had. It looks on the video as if he, I mean, his, his pinky touches it and then he moves his pinky away from it, sort of twitches away from it. Um, again, it's, 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 I'm not going to call him, I'm not going to call him a cheat because some people don't see it as cheating because it didn't change the outcome of, 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 of the shot he was playing. Um, they don't even see it as an issue. Uh, I don't think he even won the rack. So a lot of people are saying, well, you know, he didn't win the rack, so it didn't change anything. Um, it's a difficult one. It's another one of those. I just wish it hadn't happened, you know, uh, and then we wouldn't have to talk about it. Um, that's some eagle eye camera work that somebody's done for that to put that video on. Uh, uh, I, don't think many people, I don't think many people would have noticed it in real time. Um, but there is a there, there is also an argument to say, well, the referee's there for this reason, and if they don't see it, but well, that play, player I, player integrity player integrity sports player sportsmanship dictates that you call it on yourself if it happens. I but, would I would say this. I, I guess I don't believe I don't believe this to be well. Chris, did you wanna did you wanna take it first? Yeah. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm just completely with Jim. You're all thought that you know, the first thing to talk to sports, especially over this side of the pond, to touch something. Hands up, you know, there's just no, there's just no other way to, there's no other way to cut it. Um, 
and you know he's put it down you can see his finger touch it rocks it he gets back up he knows he's touched it so from that point onwards it's just completely down to him but i don't think the referee's got any fault in any of that at all i just i just don't there how many things can you watch at once you just can't do it it's just yeah. impossible so um i don't think the ref's got anything to do with it you know what so whatsoever um it's uh yeah it happens every so often well i think we can get to that here in just a just a few um we had kind of discussed this kind of before the events uh before we started the stream right and we were, we we're going to kind of say like all right well i don't believe this to be the case but i'm going to take the side of the argument just so that we have some uh i guess some argument back and forth is is it as a player's responsibility is the player's responsibility I would make the argument that the player, well, I'm going to make this argument again for anybody who wants to hate on me. This is not what I believe in. I'm taking this side of the argument just for, just for argument's sake. I believe a player's uh, job is to win a match. So within the bounds of what would be considered normal play or normal etiquette uh, at a table I don't think that it's absolutely necessary that you call that on yourself. With that being said, that is the reason why you have a ref there, right? Now, if you want to start talking about like, well, okay, the ref can't see everything. So uh, we should be able to do some sort of video edit, some sort of video thing where, uh, you know, if somebody notices it in the production team, they can say, all right, let's stop play and let's see what happened here and see if that's a foul. Maybe you want to uh, maybe you want to do that. Maybe that's a, maybe that's an option going forward. Is it absolutely Kachi's responsibility to to call it on himself as a player? I mean, you can make a serious argument that his job is to win the match, not to be the moral police. Now, with that being said, uh, I'm, so this is no longer that Nate arguing for the sake of arguing. I do remember a situation back. Uh, so this is Nate, normal Nate taking over. I do remember a situation back in the Predator, or back when uh, One Sports was doing their stuff, and uh, Eklund Kachi actually put his hand on top of what I I want to say it was the uh, the five ball. Uh, way back in the day, he put his hand on top of the five ball, and they were playing by all ball fouls as well. Uh, and that was he never called that on himself either. And I, I believe he actually ended up going on to win that match. And that was a that would have ended up being a point for him out of that with the, if you can remember way back into the COVID days when they were doing the one sports stuff, um, he never called that on himself either, and he absolutely knew about that because he you can see on his stand up that he made the ball, but he jumped up super quick on it, and he shot it with you know he's on his backstroke, he shot through like this and hit it on his way through, and he immediately jumps up right in the air right away. Uh, I'm going off of memory from this, but I do remember Kachi doing this in a situation then, and he didn't call it on himself then either. So this is at least consistent to the to the person that we know Akachi to be. You know, that maybe that's the same argument. You know, is, is it his responsibility to win the match, or is it his responsibility to be the absolute moral police? I think that there's a very, very fine line, and it's, it's a, well, it's just, it's just you know, it's a, it's a giant gray area at the end of the day, and I don't think any of us are going to not argue on that, right? Or well, maybe it, it all depends what's more important for you. I mean, if you if you if you it's your it's also your reputation your reputation whether or not you can whether or not you can do that and accept it within yourself that that's something you've done, or whether or not you truly believe that 
it didn't matter. It made, I didn't move the ball. It just rocked. It's not changed the rack or whatever. And, and you for yourself think, yeah, I shouldn't be punished for that. If you truly believe that and, 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 and you're happy to take any flack that you might get afterwards for what you've done, then, you know, it could also be that he's in the heat of the moment. He's thought, ah, oh, crap, I've touched that. Oh, but I'm, I need this rack. And he's played it out. And then he thinks later, I probably shouldn't have done that. You know, that's going to be on TV. He now sees it on social media, probably. He's probably seen the video himself. He's seen some of the posts. Is he the kind of guy that that, that, that is now sitting there thinking, ah, oh, crap, I shouldn't have done that? Or is he sitting there thinking, I don't care, whatever. You, you don't know. I don't I don't know him personally enough for that. Um, um, I, I really don't know. Uh, like you say, yes, you, you can call it a grey area. It depends what you're, what you your thoughts are on it. For me, it's not a grey area. For me, it's a foul. So it's not really oh, yeah. a grey area for me. You know, it's a foul and you call it on yourself if you but there's a lot of people that that, that believe in that and they've done it themselves, you know. Uh well, I'll hold my hands up and say I've 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 played a match before and I felt something behind me that I thought was the rail as I'm going through on a ball. I thought it was the rail that my finger just grazed above. But when I stood up, I looked and I was pretty sure that one of the balls wasn't in the spot that it was before. My opponent didn't say anything. I thought, okay, I'll just keep playing. I was pretty sure if I had to bet on it that it was the ball after looking down and seeing what was underneath me. Um, and it was only afterwards that that was one of my teammates on the, the table before. He says, you know, you touched that ball. I said, well, I knew I touched something, but he didn't say anything. And I couldn't really see it. I just felt something. Uh, so I just kept playing. Let me ask you this question because um, I, I guess I'm just trying to find out where to draw the line at the end of the day. So I had a situation uh, we're playing a local tournament. It's just, it's just like a little uh, weekly uh, event at the, my local pool room. And I had, I, it was going to be a close hit um, on a double hit foul. And I actually, so somebody came over, we had a ref come over to watch the hit. And I shot the ball and the referee that we had come over, watch the hit said, good hit. When they walked away, I said, that wasn't a good hit. Take a foul. Because I knew it, I knew it was a foul. I could feel the double hit. I could feel that second contact. I knew that it was going to be a foul, but the referee that we had come over called it good. Where do you draw the line? So like if there's a ref on site and it's his job to make the call and you know that he got that call wrong, do you still then call the foul on yourself? Or do you just say, "Oh well, that's that's the ref that we got, and that's that's kind of how it happened." What do you what do you guys think on that situation? <clears throat> so refs refs words final, isn't it? That's just all there is to it. If you've got a ref involved, there's nothing else you can do. Um, but that, but this, the, the, the situation situation like that, the player knows best. The, the yeah. you, you know you know when you've done it. You know when it's a foul. You know, and whatever the ref says, you know what you feel and what you see are two different things. And as a player who's who's played the game and knows how ball react, balls react, then you, you know as well, you know? Um, but yes, if you've, if, if you've called the referee over and the referee says it's not a foul and your opponent says, yep, okay, I accept the referee's decision, you're within your rights to turn around and say, I'll keep playing, but but uh, but are you happy to do that? Again, it's an integrity thing, what you're happy with, you know? I mean, you've called the referee over for a reason. You know? Yeah, well, it's, it's, the, it's, it's my opponent's job to call a ref, and they did. Uh, and then it's my job to then accept that ref as the ref. 
right? So at the end of the, I, I'm hard, I, I'm hard pressed to say, I'm hard pressed to say that you can in one in one word say it's well, that's the it's the ref's call that's final, but it's not the ref's call that's final in this case, right? Because if if it's a ref's call that's final, then the ref has to call it. I mean, it's a little bit different if the ref can't see it, right? But it's also a little bit different no, if the ref gets is, it wrong and you know they get different. it wrong. You, you've, well, asked course, a referee, you, you've asked a referee to come and look at a specific shot because a specific foul might happen. So the referee, an experienced referee, knows exactly where to stand, exactly what to yep. look for, exactly what to listen for a lot of the time as well, you know, and how and to see how the balls react. So they are fully concentrated on what might happen. In this situation, the referee is standing in a spot that's not that is not designed for checking the eight ball. She was checking other balls underneath his stomach or at his side or whatever. So she wasn't even in a position to see the eight ball, you know? So she's not considering the eight ball as being a possible foul because it's in front of or in front and to the side of his hand. He's only touched it because he spread his fingers. He's got yeah. plenty of room to get his hand in there, as you saw by when he moved his pinky away from it again. Plenty of room to get his hand in there, you know? So the referee's not considering as the eight ball as being an issue, you know? So, um... If you turn around and say, okay, uh, he might foul that eight ball, she's going to see it and she's going to call it. You know, it was pretty yeah. clear. So, um, yeah, it's a difficult I one. I mean, uh, um, again, people are going to have different opinions on social media. Um, uh, it's a cultural thing. It's what you're brought up to, to, to how to react to these situations, I guess. Uh, and nobody's ever going to completely agree on it. Um, but, um, I don't know. I would be interested to hear. If it would, we won't because we very rarely, very rarely hear anything from uh, from Catchy on social media. To begin with, yeah. Um, but it would be it, it would be great to hear from him what his thoughts are, whether or not you know it was something that he, that he was aware of had happened, uh, how he feels now that he's seen the videos and stuff like that, and the responses he's getting on social media. Um, you know, you talk about the the previous situation they had in another tournament. Maybe he doesn't see it as an issue. Maybe he just doesn't care. Maybe he doesn't give a shit what people think. Yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe. And Graham Graham actually asked this question. Yes, he, he, I remember a situation back when the the virtual pool days uh, was going on during COVID, and um, oh, there was a situation. Yes, that one. Yeah, yeah, the virtual pool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. yeah, during the one of the virtual pool tournaments, and I I don't remember who he was. He might have been playing against Albin, if if I remember right. I think mm -hmm. he might have been playing against Albin, but it was in the semifinals of the first uh, ever. Um, one pool, one pool. one pool tournament. I'm trying to think of the name of the the actual event because it had an actual name. Uh, but it, yeah, it was in the semifinals of that. I'm almost 90% sure it was in the semifinals. He he went. He ended up going on to win that match, uh, and I believe that was a runout too. It was in the semifinals. I'm sure it's probably you can probably find it on YouTube. I, I would assume it's got to be out there somewhere. But you yeah. can see that it's when he shoots through the ball like this, he shoots through it, and then his hand hits. The ball rocks just a little bit. Very, very similar, actually, to this, where the eight ball just barely rocks. He didn't call it on himself there either. So there's there's definitely a track record of it. He's he's you know is he oblivious to both of them? No, there's no there's no freaking way. Was he oblivious to one of them? Maybe. Was it both of them? No way. The way that he reacted on both of them, you you know that he absolutely was aware of at least one of these things. And the fact that the consistency was the same the first time he did it, and the, this time that he did it. I mean, clearly he doesn't look at it as his responsibility. And uh, again, I fall on your guys' side of this, but for to play devil's advocate, I could see a situation where, you know, you look at your responsibility at the pool table as your job is to win. It doesn't matter how, as long as you stay within the, 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 the relative rules of what is considered 
socially norm behaviors. Obviously, if you walk up to your opponent when he's about to shoot the, you know, the case nine ball and kick him in the forehead, obviously that's, that's outside of what you would consider normal pool, but um, is calling is I, in this, I actually do believe in, I don't know that I don't, I do not believe that calling fouls on yourself is something that is part of your job as a player. Now, do you have to, I also believe that it's, 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 it's part of your job as a human being to just be honest well, I, that's what I was just going to say. I mean, with that being said, I don't think it's your job as a player, but I do think it's your that that if you're going to do that, then that there is supposed to be discussions like this where we talk about it. This, in some sort of way, it's almost our job to hold him responsible to have a level of decency that we would want to expect from our favorite players, right? I mean, if if we see you uh, acting in ways that we would not agree to, I think that it's our job as the media. Uh, to call you out on that. And I think that's what we're doing here, but I don't, I don't necessarily believe that it's his job as a player, but it is our job as a player to then hold you up in the, in the lowest of regards and, you know, count out, you know, point out what you're doing. I don't know, Chris, you haven't said anything for a little while. What's, what's your thoughts on that? <laughs> well, what if his opponent had seen him do it? What if his opponent had seen him do it and then flags it to the ref? What, what does he, what what does he now say to his opponent next time he what, sees him at the tournament? Well, other than that, but actually in the match, what happens at that point? Because Especially it's unsportsmanlike conduct at that point, right? Serious foul. So he's going to get a he's going to get a he's going to get one he's going to get a first and final warning, right? It's I, it's not I, like it's I, a I small thing. It, it's not like it's a small thing. It's in the WPA rules, unsportsmanlike conduct. Well, and I mean, that is, yeah. I think it falls into that, regardless well, of whether. I, but I think what you're, th- but, but what you're assuming is that Kachi would then agree that yes, I did this. That was my foul. I, I think it's. I don't think that you could prove that he knew that he fouled, right? I, I think, and I think you, as long as he sits there and says, I, don't, I didn't do it. It's in the referee's judgment. So she'll go back, watch the bit, ask for a replay of it, watch it, decide that she's seen him nudge it with his finger. Then he stands back up, gets down to play his shot, and he's played his shot. So. It's a judgment call, even on the ref. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then, and now so we're I, talking about, yeah. If if, 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 I, if I if I was in a panel of people that had to look at this situation, make a judgment call on whether or not he felt it and was aware yeah. of it, as a player, as somebody who's touched balls as well, we've all done it in Iraq. You've touched a ball. Very rarely does it, unless it's your unless it's your watch or something like or something you're wearing that touches a ball. Sweet, if it's, if it's yeah. your physical, if it's your skin. Uh, or your, your hands, your arm, even the hairs on your arm, yeah. you feel it if you get too close. All the all the evidence, if I was to make a judgment call on it and they were to ask me, Jim, we want you to, to make the judgment call on whether or not you think, you know, he felt, uh, I would say, judging by what I know of the game and touching balls, judging by his reaction, the way his pinky flicks back again, kind of thing, I'd say he's aware that he's, that, that, he's aware that something there has happened that, that has made him sort of jump slightly in twitch well it um, kind of comes down it kind of comes down to um and i don't know how the court systems work in the netherlands or in the uk but uh this is this is very similar to what we would say a civil uh, a civil case or you know uh, like an actual like um, a ruling like in a civil case you have to be it has to be more likely than not that you did it right and i don't think that anybody in the world would argue that he did not more likely than not feel that contact hmm. but if you're going to be tried uh if you're going to be tried uh, outside of that it's you have to be 
undisputed 100% evidence this is what happened and that's 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 what it is i mean you have to get a jury of people that say this happened definitely the other way you have, in a civil suit you have to be more likely to not have created that right so i don't think that anybody would argue with that and i think if the ref was more likely than not then she would absolutely rule that yes he hit that if is she 100% sure that he did that and i don't i don't know and are you willing to because at, at that point in time in the match, uh, if, if he gives up a foul there, he loses the match almost no matter what. I mean, not, he's probably losing no matter what, but he's probably 100% just about to lose from there. So are you willing to are you willing to say, all right, I am sure enough that you did this. I am 100% sure that you did this. I'm awarding a foul if that happened. Or are you going to be somewhere in the middle because you don't want to be the one that decides the rest of the match? Yeah. It's different if it's seven and seven, right? Because then it's it's a if it's seven seven in a race at thirteen, it's I think it's very easy to make that call. I think it's very easy to say, all right, well, yes, he fouled, but at the point of the match where it is, where this is probably the nail in the coffin, if 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 she calls that, do you think that she would be more willing to call it then? It's it, it's hard to say. I don't think it would matter to them. The, the, the referees that match him have got are all top draws. They do snooker. They do much. They do events where there's much much more on the line than than what was online at the Masters for sure. Yeah, maybe you're right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe. I think when you I say mean, when you say it that way, because I, I do I do believe that. I think that if there's one thing that's almost to a fault, uh, the matchrooms referees have too much courage in their convictions. If anything, <laughs> I mean, I, I I mean Ed Ladawi makes a very good point there. He said that the you know a, a, a quote from Laster who once said, "If Willie said it was a good hit, it was a good hit." How does this work now for Catchy? If Catchy yeah. says a good hit, who's going to believe him? You yeah. know, Chris Melling has given away given away matches on Hill Hill. You know, just a couple of balls on the table, and without without even considering, he just said, "Sorry, I foul there." And people, what? He's like, "Yeah, yeah, I fouled. I touched that ball in my hand, or, or my clothes was on, or whatever. It's a foul, and it's basically just two tap-ins, and it's cost him a couple of thousand uh, euros without hesitation." Now, if Chris Melling says to you that was a foul or it wasn't a foul. Then you're going to believe him because he's he's you know he's been honest enough to do it before you know if he says good hit it's a good hit and i think that's it your reputation means quite a lot you know and you, you'll get less arguments if you turn around to somebody and say no i did not i promise you i did not foul it they're going to turn around and say okay if you say so then fine because i trust you catchy says it now after maybe there being two uh, situations are you, as, you, as his opponent, are you going to sit there and go, oh, well, if you say it wasn't, then it wasn't? No, you're probably going to keep going on saying, no, I think it was a foul. I think it was a foul. I think it was a foul. You know, so the, the, this is how it could end up having yeah. an effect on him in the future. Uh, people are just not going to believe him when he says says it, maybe, or I, I don't know, you know, or people just forget about it again and then like a lot of stuff. Yeah. Well, I guess uh, at this point in time, for anybody who tuned in uh, and didn't get my spiel in the beginning, I was not giving my personal opinion. I was trying to play devil's advocate for it because I, I'm 100% lockstep with both of you. Um, if there, if there is anything that I would say um, is true or that I believe, I do believe that it is the player's job to win a match, not to be the moral police. With that being said, you have to deal with the repercussions of that. I think, I think at this point in time with the two pieces of evidence that I've seen, I believe that Kachi is a player that is not, interested in being honorable he is interested in strictly winning in any way that he possibly can uh and forever i will look at him differently as a player because of that i i don't think that i don't think that he should be giving opportunities um well actually i think this is an interesting thought do you guys think that 
Um, because he's done this, at least to my knowledge, twice that I can remember of, do you think that he should start losing out on opportunities on invite uh, events like this because he gives a worse look for a player? No. Do you think that he should lose any opportunities? No. No, no. He, he gets he get he gets his opportunities based on the other ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the time. Sure. Okay, you know to take that opportunity, but I would. I mean, there would be nothing wrong with uh, with uh, somebody uh, saying to him, you know, that's happened. You know, somebody from Matchroom, perhaps. I mean, I'm not saying they should do this. I'm saying that you know, would they be within their rights to to to, to approach him at the UK Open? And say, listen, you can't be doing this. You're on live TV. It's a bad look. You know all this crap that's going on on, on yep. social media. You know we're, we're we're trying we're trying to clean up pool, make it look like a more of a you know a clean sport rather than this you know gambling, cheating kind of sharking attitude that you know that it is all about winning and just it's all about the money. You know we want to show that there's a professional sport with integrity, with players who are willing to you know play the game to the high standards that we want. If you're not willing to do that or you can't do that, then then let us know and you know. You'll be on the outside tables for every event when there's no ca- where there's no camera on you, you know. Um, well, I don't think you. I don't think you can do that either because that's we don't want to see that happening again. We don't want that to be going public. Yeah. We don't want that to be out there. And the, yeah, okay. I mean, they can't do that because then you're giving him an unfair advantage potentially. I mean, you're giving him an unfair advantage or a disadvantage, right. however you want to look at it. Well, I mean. There's lots, at the end of the day, there's lots, there's lots of players that will never get a game on the sure. uh, on the TV table. Sure, sure, sure. And, yeah, and it is a built-in <laughs> and it is a built-in advantage, right? That Shane gets to play on the the stream table. Yeah, exactly. He'll, else, play, right? he'll play one game on the outside tables in the whole tournament. So I guess yeah. there are they're already not doing it in a fair way. Exactly. Um, here in well, and, not, and they should, right? Because not every player. Yeah. You earn your spot by being one of the players that that, that Matchroom consider to be a good ambassador for the sport. A guy who's touching balls and not uh, uh, and considered as, as as not being honourable is not the guy that's going to be the ambassador for the sport. You know, and I, I don't want to go in on Catchy because I like Catchy, you know, but he's 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 burnt his fingers a couple of times with Matchroom by not turning up in the morning for matches and stuff like that, staying in his bed or playing his PlayStation till four o'clock in the morning and sleeping in. And now this is happening and that's happening. And it's, you've, you, he's not doing himself any favor. He's a, he's a, he's a really, really nice guy. And he's an amazing player. But yeah. does he need, does he need to just grow up a little bit and realize that he's a professional pool player? You know, I don't, well, I don't know what it, what, what it is, you know? Yeah, I don't know yeah, how much. I, I mean, I don't know how much farther I want to go down this rabbit hole. But you no, exactly. Know. I don't want. To, I don't want to. I don't want to go there any further. Let's I, let's let's just say that, that that this is something that is going to be, that if it continues to be discussed, nobody's ever going to agree on it. Uh, well, the thing, some... but the thing I want to say after that is, I think you're 100 percent wrong, and they're not going to want to put him on the TV table because at the end of the day, they're not putting Earl Strickland on the TV table because uh, it's you know because of his a playing. He's he's they're putting him on stream because he's a polarizing person who might go off and do something crazy at any point in time. Yeah, but that's, that that's different. That's different. You know, that's, well, that, well that, that, it doesn't. It, my point is, it doesn't matter why. Earl Strickland's already made the name for himself. You know. And... Yeah, yeah, but you're missing what I'm saying. It, 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 whether you whether you whether you love watch somebody or you hate watch somebody, Matchroom only cares that you're watching. They don't care if you're watching to to because you hate somebody so much you want to see them lose, or that you love them so much you want to see them win. They just care that you're watching. If any, if they know that they're going to get a 10 percent bump from having Kachi on there because they're going to get. 50,000 more people hate watching him. You're damn right they're going to put him on stream. <laughs> mm-hmm. They don't care. They're not going to like put him on the side tables because they're they're worried about their reputation. They have a product out there. They, they don't yeah, but they get they have plenty of other players that can do that for them. Yeah, but you yeah, but they, 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 they I mean, I'm not just talking, there's there's a lot of top top pros that they don't actually need. 
in order to to, to push the product. They've kind of got sure, their but... core, you know. They've kind of got their core, and if you want to get into, if you want to be part of that core, you you're going to have to be either squeaky squeaky clean or a bit of a character. And you can't really say Catchy's a character, you know. And if he's but not what squeaky I'm... clean and he's not really yeah. a character either, and he's just a really really good pool player, like a lot of them are. Is that enough yes, to get in and be part of that group of pushing the, the you know, that matches? You're missing what I'm saying. You're missing what I'm saying. What I'm saying is if, if this leads to people hate watching him, right? Because if you get a character, you don't have to be a character if people are if people are watching you for the, regardless of the reason, right? Whether you're a really good player, whether you are beloved by your, you know, your, uh, your fan base, or whether you absolutely have everybody in the world that hates you regardless. What I'm saying is if Kachi gets a 10% bump from this, from people hate watching him, Matchroom doesn't care. They're going to take that 10% and they're going to put them out there as many times as it makes sense to. What I'm saying is if if, if you start hate watching. I'm not saying they should do one or the other. It was just a question. Do you, I mean, would Matchroom be within the rights to turn around and say, hey, naughty boy? Well, at the end, at the end of the day, you hope that he, you hope that Kachi has somebody in his corner that can pull him aside and be like, Hey, you know, uh, this isn't going to be a, a great conversation, but this is, this is for me talking to you to help your career. You can't be doing stuff like that. You hope that he has somebody in his corner that can pull him aside well, and do that. Well, one of the sponsors, sponsors yeah, but I don't think there's yeah. anybody within, within the, the, within the player community or anything like that. that I mean, catches his own man. He does his own thing. You know, I think he, 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 he trusts what he does and he doesn't really listen much to advice or, or, um, he, he's he's got his way of doing things, and he believes that that's the correct way. And he, is there, I, I'm not sure there's a there's a player in, in that that he really 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 respects enough, uh, like like Shane with Errol. You know, if Errol wants to talk to Shane about something, Shane just sits there and listens, and he's like he's like the top dog in world pool, but he'll still listen to anything Shane's got to say. I don't think there's anyone within the player community that that. That, that, that has that kind of connection with Kachi that can turn pull him aside and say, listen, mate, you know, blah, blah, blah. I don't think he really... Well, I don't think it has to be a player, right? I don't think it has to be a player. Well, most of the time it is, you know, unless, unless like Chris said, unless it's a sponsor, but then you're getting a te- then you're getting a telling off from the teacher. You're not getting a telling off from sure. a friend. You're getting a telling off from, from your headmaster, you know? And, well, I, I mean, and maybe this is pool, right? But, like, have you ever seen, like, a boxer? like a professional boxer in like in real life or even like, or even like just uh, acting in real life. They always have a surrounding group of like six or seven people. I mean, they, they move with a team. Same with basketball mm-hmm. players. I'm sure, I'm sure football players are the same way. They have a Cash team around them that. at all times. Kachi doesn't have that. The Polish guys well, have it. Absolutely. He does. Absolutely. He does. Kachi always has people around. I don't know who they are. They're not players. As far as I know, when every time I've been in Vegas around Kachi, he has like one or two people around him that I don't recognize. Right. I don't know who they are, I but but he has like a little bit of a following. I assume that that's his team or that's his group. I mean, they might be his backers, they might be just friends, they might be family. I don't know, but I most of the time when I'm when I see Kachi around, he usually has a few people around him. And there are, really? you know, I mean, pool is pool is different, but but what I'm saying is I've actually seen that with Kachi. I don't see many players that do have that, but around like boxing and stuff like that. I mean, those players always or those boxers always have a ton of people around them, and they call them their team, right? I'm just saying I hope that there's somebody in Kachi's camp that can – somebody can come to him and say, like, hey, this, is, this isn't this is going to work, right? We got to do something different here. And, may, yeah. and maybe – you know, at the end of the day, we don't know. I, 
all three of us, if Kachi was on this program right now and said, you know, I didn't actually feel that contact, all three of us wouldn't believe him, right? We all know, we all, we all have played this game enough. We know what we feel and what we wouldn't, and we know that we would feel that in that situation. With that being said, I mean, it's it's possible that he would he would straight up deny that that contact ever took place. And once he saw it, he'd be like, all right, well, I didn't feel it. You know, there's there's a real there's a real chance that he would make that argument. And there's nothing we could do at that point in time. But I, th- I think we all would. I think we all know that he he touched that and he knew that he touched it. We just hope yeah, that there's somebody that can tell the, the discussion stops at that point because then it's just a yes, you did. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. No, yeah. I didn't. Yes, you did. No, yeah. I didn't. There's, there's no discussion yeah. to be had then. Yeah, and that's why um, you'll never get a conversation out of him to begin with it on it. Uh, unlikely, he's not big on 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 explaining things and, and and saying things. Even his Facebook posts are very very short. You know, um, nowadays he just uh, second place world pool masters. Thanks, Matchroom. That's it. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, it's uh, probably nothing's going to happen from this. You know, people will discuss it for a while, then it'll be forgotten about until it happens again yep. if it happens again and then we'll go back to it and say remember the world pool masters when he touched that eight ball with his yeah okay yeah i mean let's hope it's not a a, a, a recurring thing um and uh i personally for, for the players out there i'd like to see you know if you make a foul just call on yourself especially when you have especially when you got 10 tv cameras pointing at you and somebody's going to notice it and you're going to look a bit silly if you don't do it yeah yep but, he played, but let's not take away from the fact that he played an absolutely amazing, incredible for uh, for let's say, let's call it three and a half matches. Yeah, played amazing pool. Yeah, really enjoyed seeing him uh, playing well again. Well, I don't know. I guess is there anything else we need to talk about? I don't have anything else on my list. I thought that was a pretty fun discussion on that. To be honest with you, yeah, Chris. Uh, yeah, just one more thing from me um jason twist former world eight ball champion english eight ball champion mm-hmm. passed away um a couple of days ago um unbelievably nice guy um he was really really kind to me once um he was a hero of mine growing up watching him I had videos of him and stuff um just an, an unbelievable player i think he's probably one of the people that changed the game if you're a geek and know about the change from the old rules to the newer type rules um but yeah obviously just condolences to his, to his family just unbelievable player and just yeah sad sad news yeah i met him uh, i think i only ever met him once i think it, it was a moscone cup it might well have been the one in blackpool and uh just genuinely a really 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 nice guy yeah. so to anyone who's connected with him family friends and uh sad times condolences um yeah what more can you say yeah yeah and I guess, uh, not that I want to take this from from there, but uh, condolences. Well, I, I'm not an English shape ball player, obviously, so I don't I don't know who he was. But it sounds from what I've seen on Facebook, everybody seemed to have positive things to say about him. So I will extend that condolences. And then uh, I do want to make a before I, I guess check out here for the the podcast today. I do want to make an apology. I I apparently just didn't upload. Um, I made drafts of the last three episodes from the podcast, and then just never actually released them. So. Uh, last week, you should have gotten a kind of a, a bombardment of podcasts that I made as drafts, but never actually sent them out. So I apologize if, uh, and thank you to the people who reached out and said, you know, like, hey, what's what's going on with the podcast? I haven't seen one for about two weeks. Um, somebody reached out to me enough, and I, I, I kind of like, oh, what the heck's going on here? Uh, and so I looked into it. So uh, I do want to uh, to give that uh, update as well. 
And then on the signouts, I do want to give a thank you to the Patreons who are uh, big supporters of what we do here. Uh, I do want to give, I do want to start giving a, 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 a shout out to them. Um, I need to figure out a way where I can start pushing this more and making it more exclusive and making it uh, better options. But uh, Chris Henry, Dina Copeland, Matt Poland, who is actually in this, the chat. Uh, so thank you very much. Uh, thank you all for uh, joining in and being a big supporter of what we do here. Uh, it really allows us to continuously, I guess, do the show. So thank you all. Um, those are the, the big supporters that we have. So I want to just give a shout out to them. With that being said, uh, I guess let's tune out for this uh, this week. And um, yeah, thanks everybody for joining. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Actually, no, uh, yeah, I need to I need to get better on this patron thing because I think uh, we need to active. Here we go. Got it. Uh, yes, Dave. What's Dave's last name, Jim? I need Hi, to get this right. Highborg. 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 Okay. So these are the people I need to thank. Uh, Mo Bashir, Dave Wiersma. Uh, I call him the worm. Dave Hybo? Hybo. Hybor. Hybor. Gotcha. I don't speak your language. I'm in it. Just call him just call him Double Dave. <laughs> Double Dave. Double Dave. Yeah, that's that's and he's got a cute company too, right? Out of uh, the yeah, Netherlands. Things, yeah. Yeah. So if you're in the Netherlands, hit him up. Buy some stuff from him. Uh, ben Young, Cody Wedig, Ed Ladawi, who was also in the, the chat, uh, Morgan Lupton, and then Matt Poland. Thank you guys all for uh, supporting the podcast. We really appreciate it. I need to figure out some things that I can make this uh, more exclusive and more of value. Um, to be honest with you, I've taken on so many projects that it's really hard to keep up with things. But these are the people I really need to take care of because they make all this possible. So thank you to those people. And with that, we're going to sign off this week. Thank you guys for joining us. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Chris. And we'll see you next week. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Cheers.